it really just became addictive trying to, again, like share my journey and add as much value to the industry as possible. And the benefit of that, and this is kind of the reason why I think looking back, I did all of that is um, throughout the middle of 2019 last year, I was able to like very comfortably make the move into a freelance kind of consultant position where um, I had enough people reaching out to me um, saying that they would want to work with me in particular, not the agencies that I was working with or the startups I was working with. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with a talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, how you doing? Adam here, and I wanted to quickly let you know about a brand new 15-minute video training where I show you how to get 5, 10, 15, 25 or more predictable sales appointments every month in just 30 minutes a day. And how you can do all of that without cold calling, networking, relying on referrals or any of that kind of stuff. Now, I've added that to the podcast gift page, which you can find at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. And you'll also see all of the other resources and gifts that I've created on that page as well. So hope you go and check that out and, uh, and enjoy what you find. So until you do that, Let's get back to the show. Okay, well, hello and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, today's guest at 24, he's the youngest person I've had on the show so far. So I guess he falls into that fable millennium category, right? Now, you may or may not subscribe to some of the pretty unfair stereotypical opinions that tend to come with this label. You know, things like millennials are lazy uh, lazy, and millennials feel that sense of entitlement or they're self-centered or any of those kind of negative connotations that go with it. But the truth is the facts, they just don't support all of these stereotypical opinions. And today's guest is going to absolutely prove that to be the case because he's a digital marketing and conversion specialist who's on the leading edge of what's happening in digital with a particular focus for driving leads through social campaigns. Now he's responsible for utilizing the latest digital marketing strategies to enhance conversion-based outcomes. He's a passionate content creator and he's been described by those he works with as relentlessly self-driven, reliable and always looking to maximize the value he provides to their business. That sounds a million miles away from those stereotypes, right? And it's why I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today on the Client Catching Podcast, Lachlan Kirkwood. Lachlan, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting to finally jump on an episode and hopefully get to geek out a bit about everything digital marketing (laughs) with you. Absolutely. And I want to, um, yeah, we we spoke a little bit before this and, and you are the youngest, but that has been on the show, but I, I, I don't like pigeonholing people necessarily with their age, but I thought in this case it was important to highlight it because there are those kind of impressions or stereotypes or whatever you may well think you know, to call it that, that go around, um, around the, uh, the millennial generation. But why don't you give us your thoughts on, on what those stereotypes are and, and someone that's actually potentially been on the receiving end of them and, and, and how, how that sort of, I guess how, it, how, how you respond to it, really. 
Yeah, it is a really good question. And I've never actually been asked that in a podcast. So it's very uh, thoughtful. Um, one thing is, is that there definitely are some kind of true facts around, um, I guess, you know, millennials are kind of called entitled and um, kind of selfish in a way just about their own good. Um, some of those connotations I can definitely say are somewhat true, but um, I think the reason why a lot of that exists is because we live in a time where um, there's so many opportunities for anyone at any given age, as I mentioned to you before this show, for anyone to go out and with the drive to want to learn new skills, particularly in the digital industry. And this is an industry that continually evolves. And I mean, I've only been in it for four short years, which is nothing compared to what, you know, you've had in the industry itself. And I've already found that the skills that I learned four years ago are already irrelevant. So anyone can come in at any time and pick up these new skills and just like being able to have the motivation or the drive or the willingness to continually learn is so important in this industry, I think. So it doesn't matter what your age is. You could be 17, you could be 50. It doesn't really matter um, as long as you're willing to put in the time, I think, to learn a lot of these things. Um, the entitlement piece is definitely true just because again, like there's so many different ways now these days that, you know, you can build an audience online, you can monetize it in a million different ways. So I think that millennials in a way, including myself, and I speak from just my personal experience here, like we, we feel like a sense of entitlement that, you know, we should, it's almost wrong if we don't take this opportunity and make something out of it. It just seems like a waste mm. of resources and a waste of this beautiful opportunity that is the digital age, I think. So um, well, that, that's fascinating, yeah. actually, the way that you sort of looked at the, the entitlement piece. It's, it's, it's kind of different to, I guess, what I perceive that entitlement thing to be. And, and you, it's a really interesting look into the way that you think in terms of the entitlement isn't I am entitled to have just things given to me. It's I'm, I, I, I am entitled to take advantage of all the things that are available today that previous generations didn't have. And that's, oh, that's a massively interesting way of looking at it. Definitely. I mean, even just speaking to like my grandparents who went through world wars and um, they didn't get the choice to have the careers that they wanted. They just had to work every day for to make ends meet and they didn't get the choice of, um, you know, having the flexibility in their lives that we do now. Whereas, I mean, I can work off my computer anywhere in the world and work on something that I'm passionate about. Like that's honestly, it's life changing. So like, um, yeah. yeah, I just feel like every day I wake up empowered to want to make the most of that, I guess. So yeah, definitely wanting to work yeah. for what I get in return though. And there's, there's a huge advantage as well to some of the things that you, you sort of mentioned earlier as well about the, the changing landscape and needing to change your skills and learn constantly and all the rest of it. And I think that for people coming out of the school system or, you know, education and all that kind of, they're kind of used to that learning. But the older you get, potentially, the less you are constantly learning. So you kind of think, well, I've got my skill set. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. Whereas you can't have that attitude now. Whereas coming out into the world you are aware that you are having to constantly learn and catch up and i don't know maybe you've been doing that for so long like literally your entire lives like learning every social media platform that comes out learning you know it, like everything just changes so much faster than you know i mean i don't consider myself old i'm 40 just and uh, the way things have changed yeah it, it is constant and i can't keep up with everything but maybe that's because my 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 brain and my <laughs> my uh, the world I grew up in didn't change quite as quickly, but you guys kind of have to, 
and that's an asset. Yeah, it is fascinating. One thing is a bit of a quote that I do love is um, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Um, and I think it's just such a fascinating thing because I guess I'm just a person that loves learning. Um, and mm. this is probably a millennial trait that I do have is I tend to have really bad shiny object syndrome. So as soon as something new comes out, I'm just drawn to that to kind of investigate it and see what it is and um, like how I can kind of utilize it within my life or within my working career. So yeah, it is really interesting to be honest. Mm. I, um, one thing Could I you hope take that, that as a is- sense of experiment though, like an expense of play rather than what I think I might refer to it as a you know, shiny object thing. It's like, right, okay, I'm going to get distracted and just tinker. Whereas it's a real experimentation thing that you sort of see, all right, I'm going to experiment with it. But rather than it just sort of playing around, it's like I'm an experiment for a reason. Yes. And this is something that I was hoping we could talk about later on the episode is um, just around millennials obviously love um, kind of documenting their life across social media platforms. Typically, Um, my platform of choice is LinkedIn, which, of course, is, you know, the more kind of professional career driven platform. And one thing that I always love is being able to go into kind of these pursuits of shiny objects and saying that even if this is a complete waste of time and I get zero either dollar outcome um, from this, I'm still learning something and I can document that whole process and people can see, I guess, my willingness to learn, the time and resources, my thought process. And then if I was to ever want to apply for another job or something, that's almost like a portfolio of, it's a bit more tangible, I guess, than just handing someone a traditional resume and saying, hey, this is my so-called skill set, like without having any evidence to back it up. So yeah, being able to, again, like um, we live in a time where we can document things so easily across so many different tools. So yeah, just taking advantage of that wherever we can. And, and sort of talking of LinkedIn, I don't know, it's, it's something that I've, I've observed sort of over the last uh, six months, really, it started to really kick in. But there's been a bit of voice around, oh, well, the millennials are now coming onto this platform and changing it and all the rest of it. And some people are like, well, it should be, you know, very, you know, it's that professional network and blah, 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 blah. But I'm seeing that impact have a positive knock-on effect for the platform as a whole. The amount of content that's being created and shared, the amount of videos that are coming out, the actual amount of using it more as that network rather than just somewhere to put up your CV. I've, I've seen the benefit of that and how LinkedIn is attracting I guess a generation that is is grown up with that social media and that interaction and you know the, the the tagging and the sharing and all that kind of thing is that something that you saw that wasn't there and you saw maybe this is something I can maybe was that one of the shiny objects or is it just something that you just liked the platform and, and decided to go with it? One particular thing for me is my background is predominantly working in a lot of tech startups and. So I've worked with a lot of software development teams in the past and they have something called open source. I'm not too sure if you're familiar with that, where Mm -hmm. um, the industry essentially puts out their source code or any work that they're working on for the greater good of the industry. So then people can use that source code and build on top of that. And for digital marketers, I see LinkedIn as the opportunity to open source your IP, I guess, or your like your own knowledge. Um, So by putting out so much value, you're open sourcing that knowledge that other people can use that. Um, And I guess as a millennial, the reason that I do that is because, you know, we want to make a difference. Um, Like it adds value to people's lives. And that to me is making a difference. If I can teach someone a certain skill that they might not have had. And um, again, there's just such an opportunity to do that. And I think that 
that's the reason why we are starting to see so much more content across these platforms. And then it's, I mean, there's obviously a lot of crap on those platforms as well, but like there's a lot of really good, valuable content if you follow the right creators across the platform. So yeah, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. And um, I mean, we've kind of got into this and uh, yeah, I've kind of got really interested in, uh, in, in just, yeah, just a different worldview from a, you know, from a, if somebody sort of growing up or coming into the business world at a different time than say I did, and maybe even a lot of my interest, you know, listeners will have had. So I've, I've found it quite fascinating, but I haven't even necessarily got onto, you know, you, what you do. So why don't you give the sort of snapshot of, um, I would say your history, but you know, you're a bit younger, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, um, um, but you know, how, <laughs> you know, what do you, yeah, absolutely. What do, what do you do? What do you do today? Like what's your, uh, what's your, um, yeah. Explain to us, what it is you do and uh you know kind of how you got there in the last sure three and a half days <laughs> in my short time which seems like a lightning bolt in the industry um so you pretty much covered a lot of it before so my background as i mentioned is working with tech startups and digital agencies so i came in the industry in 2016 and um i was working with a lot of tech startups kind of really trying to find new growth opportunities whether that be through paid performance organic content automation strategies, um, and really trying to drive conversion-based outcomes. So not just kind of doing all this fluffy kind of digital marketing and not understanding the real value that it adds to businesses. What we were really focused on was saying, all right, if we're going to put X amount of dollars in, we need to measure how we're going to get X amount of dollars out of that plus more, hopefully, because that's how business works. Um, And then essentially I was doing that for three years and then at the start of that time, I, so at the start of 2016, I wanted to as kind of document my journey in the industry. So I started my own personal blog and I set out with the idea of publishing one post a month about what I learned in the industry, just purely something that I could look back at over my career and say, hey, look, this is how far I've come, purely just for my own kind of self-benefit. Uh, and then over time, that actually scaled and turned into quite a good audience over here in Australia. And um, one post a month turned into two and two turned into four. And it just kind of compounded off that. And next thing you know, you're creating video content, podcasts, you're collaborating on podcasts. And um, it really just became addictive trying to, again, like share my journey and add as much value to the industry as possible. And the benefit of that, and the, this is kind of the reason why I think looking back, I did all of that is... Um, throughout the middle of 2019 last year, I was able to like very comfortably make the move into a freelance kind of consultant position where um, I had enough people reaching out to me um, saying that they would want to work with me in particular, not the agencies that I was working with or the startups I was working with, um, that I was able to comfortably make that transition. And again, it just kind of came down to the sense that before people even reached out to me, they knew exactly the work that I was creating. They could see it on my blog because I published case studies about what I'd worked on. Um, if it was in like a relative industry to what these people were working in, they were able to see that I was the exact person that they wanted to work yeah. with. So that's kind of the big benefit to that. So I guess these days um, it's much the same as what I've just described, but doing it in my own terms, I guess. So um again that's probably another <laughs> millennial kind of stereotype is yeah. wanting to have the freedom work-life balance which is definitely something that i think is important um and yes yeah, so i'm just kind of doing that on my own terms now cool so who's who's an ideal client for you these days who who do you who, who brings out your passion to work with what kind of businesses um a bit of a diversity um 
I really like to, I guess, try and learn new skill sets across different areas of digital. So a couple of good examples is I'm working with Bubble IO at the moment. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a really popular no-code development tool, similar to Webflow. Again, not sure if you've heard of them. Um, so they're kind of at the forefront of this whole no-code movement where you can write software without having to actually write code. It's like a visual coding program tool. Um, so they're quite a big startup in New York at the moment. They just landed quite a big seed round. And so I'm working with them on a lot of content marketing. So really trying to um, understand how we can grow their community through using content about educating people about these no-code development tools. Um, and then again, trying to understand, you know, how many people read that content and then go on to sign up for that platform. Um, some other clients that I work with are very diverse. Um, so I can even white label myself to some agencies. So if they've got some particular like paid performance work, whether it be across social channels or search or anything like that, um, they can essentially get me in to execute that directly. Um, I have a couple of my own clients, um, some small businesses. Um, I have someone who is funnily enough, a psychologist that has a lot of online courses that they sell. Um, so really trying to, I guess, build their community around what they're doing and then sell those courses directly and understand like, again, what's the tangible dollar value outcome of what they're doing. Um, so yeah, really across like quite a diversity of industries, e-commerce in there as well too. That's always a fun one to work with. Um, yeah, so there's a diversity across all of it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a, a, a kind of commonality come through, but I'm going to ask you, um, yeah, do you, do you focus on a specific problem that each of those clients have? Because is there something that kind of unifies the challenge that they're all facing and, and what might that be so that they kind of reach out for you? Is there a trigger point for them? I think recently over the past eight months, which is probably about the same time as when I did start my own freelance work was um, a lot of these companies were really relying on paid digital marketing channels. And a lot of those channels are becoming more expensive as more brands migrate over to them. So a lot of brands back in the day used to essentially just put up some Facebook ads um, and that was sustainable enough to continue kind of, I guess, driving conversions through that. Whereas now mm. CPAs are like doubling across some clients I've worked with over the past couple of years and it's just not sustainable. So I guess a lot of clients coming to me at the moment where um, they've realized that Facebook ads or Google search ads are just a channel. They're not a strategy um, and they're trying to diversify and find ways to, um, uh, really drive growth in other means. And for me, uh, a lot of it's around like a community or an audience through your product, um, whether that be through content marketing, um, nurturing people through automation, life cycles, but really trying to, I guess, diversify that. And of course, still fit in some of those paid channels, but really just understand that um, like anything, like it's not going to be this evergreen thing that's going to, you know, provide value for 10 years. Like the industry changes. And again, that's why I love it so much. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you sort of mentioned the C word community, because that was what I picked up um, through just some of the descriptions that you had given. So, you know, the importance of community and understanding that, you know, yes, there is a world out there that you could actually, you know, potentially work with a lot of the time, but you can't get them all. So, you know, we, we may all refer to it as um, ideal client, find your niche, niche, whatever part of the world you're in, that kind of thing. But I love the way that you've kind of brought it around community because that community doesn't always just have to include your prospects. It can include people that 
um, can introduce you to people. It's it's you know I call it your ecosystem. It's everything that's in you know it's it's all the physical parts of your business, but it's also anyone that is in contact with your business. They don't have to be people that work with you for you. They they never have to give you money per se, but they are part of your ecosystem and that community that can you know essentially I can't remember who it was that they said you know your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, and that's mm, essentially what your definitely. community will also help with because they will talk about you in favorable terms if you focus on doing that. So, I mean, can you share an example of, of how, uh, you know, maybe one of the clients that you've helped or even, you know, a personal story of, of how having this community is, has led to you know, the, the positive outcomes that we all want? Yeah, definitely. So a good example is the client I mentioned earlier. So they are a weight management psychologist, which is a very kind of strange industry or niche when you kind of hear about what they're doing. So they really just love creating content and building a positive image around like people's perceptions, I guess, towards their weight. Um, so they really want to empower um, females as their particular audience here. Um, they really want to empower females to feel good about themselves. Um, and they want to make them feel comfortable in their own body. So they create um, like a weekly vlog. They've got a podcast where they sometimes record um, some of their therapy sessions, um, which is just really strange for like this industry to kind of think like that. Um, they put out so much blog content. They essentially um, try and educate their audience as much as possible. Um, so trying to, I guess, give away the value that they would get if they were to come into like a psychology session. Um, and again, just really open source that to their audience. And um, you would traditionally think that, you know, that would drive clients away because they wouldn't need to come to this particular client's practice. But um, in fact, it drives more of a community or an audience for them because they are the only ones putting out this content. So, of course, you know, when you're looking at organic search rankings, they're doing very well. Um, anything across social channel, they're pretty much the only brand over here that is talking about like these really important issues that their audience want to kind of feel a part of because, you know, it's an industry where these women might feel alone in their own thought process. Whereas once they find that there are communities to kind of foster these, you know, healthy conversations, um, whether it be in like the client's Facebook group or on their email list or anything like that. Um, it's just a really good way to build an audience that way. And then once a quarter, this client will run, um, they create a new online course about a particular topic around weight management. Um, and then when it comes to that time, because we've been putting out so much value to the industry, when it's time to actually ask for something back or really try and drive a, like a conversion-based outcome, um, it's really advantageous because, you know, they've given so much that people like trust them as an authority and they're happy to kind of, I guess, hand over their money to get that little bit of extra value out of them. Yeah. And if they've been part of the community and they've been asked questions along the way and, and blah, 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 it, you know, it kind of almost feels that they may well also have had a hand in the creation of it. And, you know, when, mm. you know, when, when you feel like you create something, you kind of have that sense of ownership over it. And therefore, 100%. you want to continue being a part and, and, and helping it success. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole point of, of community is at the end of the day, we're human beings. Uh, we are social animals and it doesn't matter what channel is going to come along in the next, you know, six months, year, five years, 10 years, whatever that's going to change. It's not going to change our wiring in the way that we are. And so community, yeah, it's it's another word for just, you know, people 
doing business with each other. And 100%. Yeah, I love the way that, yeah, that's one of the focuses and, and exactly, uh, you know, where you're going. So um, if somebody was thinking, okay, well, I get this. I want to think about sort of maybe making a start on creating my own community because I haven't necessarily been focusing on it. What would you say is, is one of the things that you would do to start? Like just one, one idea, twit tip, something like that. Would they go to a group thing? Or, you know, what would they do first? Mm, that's a really good question. I think the most important thing that you should do first is identify where your potential community is already hanging out online. Um, so already in the world, there's a million different communities, whether it be Facebook groups, Reddit, Quora, um, LinkedIn groups, Twitter, like there's a million different platforms where your niche is kind of, I picture them as watering holes where your niche is currently drinking out of. And what you want to do is essentially go to these watering holes and kind of add value to them and then talk about your community that you're building and create your own watering hole where they can then come and drink from, um, and I think that's something that I would identify first is see which channels your community is already hanging out on or trying to find information about, and then just go and add as much value as possible to those um, communities. And value can mean so many different things to so many different people. Um, and I think you as a brand should really try and understand, of course, like what is value going to be to someone? Is it giving you know, five minutes of your actual time to these people? Is it sharing uh, or like curating a set of blog posts for these people to help them kind of create like a reading list or something? Or is it actually, um, I know there's a million different strategies around that kind of value piece. So yeah, really just yeah. try and knuckle down on the channels where they already exist. So that way you're not creating something from scratch um, and then trying to deliver the value to them as well. Yeah, I love that because um, a lot of people might sort of think, oh, well, if I can find where they are, why don't I just go and start pitching them? <laughs> Yeah, like that. Uh, you'll get kicked out of wherever it is most likely or, you know, uh, burn the bridges pretty much straight away. And, and another good thing that, to, that, that you can use this sort of thing for is, is simply to listen and listen to what your market is saying. And then you can start to see trends, problems, challenges and start being able to then create some of that content of your own that will answer some of the questions or even products or services that will also do the same. So, um, yeah, um, that's yeah. A fantastic um, first step. So I'm interested to know, sort of, what are you know, what are your? You've got a bit more of a, you know, a bit more in front of you than uh, than than some of us. So what are your kind of like aspirations, goals coming up? What are you looking to achieve moving forward? I'm really trying to kind of productize my own service, or the way I see myself is that Lachlan Kirkwood is its own product in a way. Um, so you know, I'm building this community around what I'm doing. So. Um, something I'm really passionate, as I mentioned, towards is um, adding value to the lives of digital marketers and um, a particular product that I'm working on now, and it's still quite in early stages, is almost like a culture-driven job board for digital marketers where they can list what values mean the most to them, and then they can get a list of companies that align with those values. Um, so whether it be a millennial goes on and they say they want a good work-life balance, they can put that in and it'll spit out a list of all the companies that match with them um, who are potentially hiring digital marketers. Um, so I'd love to be able to connect people with job opportunities that um, really make them passionate to want to go to work or want to, you know, wake up every morning and be happy with what they're working on. So that's kind of a product that I have started working on recently. Um, but kind of back to what I was mentioning before, it's just really trying to productize what I'm doing, make it a bit more scalable um, try and um, broaden my audience a bit more outside of my own kind of Australian bubble here. And um, yeah, really trying to, again, just 
continue adding as much value as possible if I, again, it's a very broad thing to say that, but I mean, if I can know that I'm making a difference or adding value to people's lives, that just drives me to continue doing it even more. And what do you think will stop you from, from sort of getting to that place? And, uh, you know, always interested to sort of know what, um, what roadblocks could come up for people and, and, and understand, you know, is it, is it, is it mental? Is it skill? Is it resource? You know, what, what do you see that could potentially get in your way to achieving those goals? For me, it's almost around doing it by myself. So I, as I mentioned um, earlier, I just freelance out of my own home and can definitely get a bit lonely sometimes when, you know, I don't ever get out of my house to go and talk to people or meet people. Um, and I'm definitely aware that, um, you know, if you want to be engaging with customers and that, nothing is actually having more conversations with them in real life to find insights about, you know, what they find valuable and things like that. Um, and even just, I guess, having a network of people where I can openly ask questions to and kind of put myself out there and just say, hey, look, I don't know this. Um, I really appreciate if someone could help me with that. Um, so at the moment, yeah, I'm just really trying to connect with as many relevant people in the industry mm. and build a support network in a way where I can add value to them and they can add value to me mm. and we can, I guess, all kind of support what we're working on. So that's definitely something that I'm still working on. And I think that the longer I'm in the industry, obviously the easier it might become just because naturally, you know, I'm going to meet people throughout my career and if I continue to put myself out there, you know, hopefully it is only going to get better as opposed to if I just shut myself off and don't do anything mm. about it. Well, there's so much in there that I wish I'd known um, years ago. I did my um, episode of, you know, things uh, I've learned turning 40, that kind of thing. And one of my biggest regrets is that I was I was a little bit too arrogant in my 20s. I thought I'd had all the answers, that I didn't need any help, that I could do it all myself. And yeah. to hear you having already sort of learned that lesson that I'm building community, I need to start reaching out, I need to start being that person that actually, you know, says I need help. Like that was one of the things that if yeah, I, I wish that I'd understood or learned that or, you know, that arrogance of you did not exist to the level it did until, you know, it finally came down in my 30s. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic to hear that because it is it's it's that community thing. It's again, it's it's understanding that you know, the more you learn, the more you know that you don't know anything or you know the, the less that you know that kind of thing so uh, yeah it's fantastic to hear and uh, i mean this is a this is often a, a question i ask and um it'd be interesting to get your take on it you know if, if something happened to you in your business or i don't know uh, suddenly a big client left or um they didn't pay their invoice or something like that or you know a big bill and you had to suddenly in 30 days make that back you know, you had to attract a client, win a client, something like that, and you had 30 days to do it, how would your thought process go? And what do you think would be some of the things that you would do in order to, um, yeah, basically to fill that gap, essentially? Yeah, um, I think that the first thing I do is obviously try and understand what went wrong and then kind of document that. Um, so I use Notion a lot. I don't know if you using that yourself but it's a really good kind of documentation tool so just making notes about things for future processes just to make sure you know you can spot the early warning signs if anything like that's going to go wrong again look, look i'm 40 i have a pen and paper that's what <laughs> <laughs> i uh, a pen and paper what's that <laughs> um but yeah i think the one thing i would actually do and um have i had a chance to think about this throughout the episode is i would honestly be comfortable enough just 
being candid and putting myself out there to my network and just saying, Hey, this is exactly what's happened. I would be happy if anyone could help me at all. And I would honestly be confident enough that at least one person would have realized that I've added enough value to their lives to either introduce me to someone or to make a connection or actually just almost help me get new work in myself. And, you know, I wouldn't expect any free handouts or anything like that. Um, but I, I, I definitely think that by that point I'd added enough value to the industry that someone would, you know, feel that they would have something to give back to me. So if that was to happen, I mean, similar things have happened, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, again, it kind of comes down to the point that I'm, you know, four years isn't a long time, but I mean, I've showed up every single day for four years. I've put out content to the industry and I guess, um, I hate the term, but I'm trying to, I guess, work my way to being a thought leader in the industry where people, you know, respect your opinion and they do want to come to you. So it's not a case of, you know, if that client goes, that's the end of the world. There's, there'd be plenty more, I guess, fish in the sea if we're kind of going with the theme of the podcast here. <laughs> well, that is, that is a, an answer that, um, yeah, I would not have necessarily thought someone coming, um, coming up with because I think certainly with, and again, I, I, I don't, I really don't like the whole sort of, you know, having to uh, cut things up in a generational thing or thing, but you know, it, it's kind of like part of, you know, part of the world. Right. But I don't think people of my age would necessarily feel that confidence of being that candid and saying, yeah. this is what's gone wrong, especially if it's a mistake they made or something that's gone wrong and all the rest of it and being candid enough to literally go out there and be that vulnerable. I don't think there are many out there of, of yeah, my age to, yeah, again, I hate having to do that thing, <laughs> age thing, blah, blah, blah. but I don't think that there would be that, that, that level of, of, of willingness to, or, or, you know, to do it, they, they would sort of go down a very, very different route. Whereas maybe that just shows, yeah, just, just, I guess you've, you've sort of grown up with your life kind of being on show. And mm. it's it's kind of warts and all anyway, maybe, unless I don't know if it's, you know, the whole sort of the darker side of social media of, of it's just your highlight reels that are on. And so therefore putting, you know, the, the, the mistakes and that kind of thing out there, I don't know, but it's a very interesting answer. So yeah. thank you for yeah having that You're thought. Right. And, and I th yeah, I think it's a very, very interesting answer. I think it also comes down to, I mean, you mentioned it before with the whole community thing, like people want to engage with people. If you're seen as this like working robot that doesn't take time to talk to people or doesn't show any emotion, people aren't going to be able to relate to you or they're not going to even think that you're like an authentic person. So it's good mm. to put yourself out there and vice versa. Like if someone in my network did that, I would put my hand up and openly, you know, contribute wherever I could. Um, even if mm. it might not be much, I'd happily put myself out there for them as well absolutely fantastic so um look, i mean i found this a very very enlightening um conversation yeah a different perspective from a yeah from from someone that's grown up in a in a very different sort of um marketplace world all the rest of it so um thank you ever so much for coming on and i know um the best place for people to go and check stuff out about you've got loads of content on your uh, on your blog uh, com. is that right yeah, 100%. That's where I've been documenting my journey and that's where I'll continue doing it, I guess. Yeah. And you're, as you say, you're active on LinkedIn, so you know, can find you pretty easily on there. And um, yeah, uh, Lachlan is um, L-A-C-H-L-A-N. 
uh, for anyone um, trying to figure it out, but it will be in the show notes as well. So you were, uh, yeah, if you were, uh, weren't sure exactly how to spell it first, like I was when I uh, when I first <laughs> heard the name. So uh, yeah, go and check it out in the show notes. But um, Blockland, all that's left to say is thank you ever so much for uh, for joining me and um, happy fishing. I appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.